All right. It's good to see you guys here this morning. And uh, happy to kick off a new uh, series this morning. Funny that I say happy because that's what we're talking about today is happiness. Does God want you to be happy? Um, before I jump full bore into that, I'm going to move this mic down a little bit, Russ. In the, my, I'm scotch taped inside my shirt, but I don't think it's helping. I may just grab the hand mic here in a second. Let's see how that goes. Is that better? A little less boomy? All right, so I uh, just want to say uh, thank you to everyone who contributed to the Easter services last weekend. We had a fantastic time. Had a great crowd here. Um, how many of you doubled up the services? How many of you here were both, both services? All right, awesome. Um, trying to take that into account, and we don't, we don't really know how many people were here in both services last week. But uh, our first service, we had 93. Um, and then we had a little bit of overlap. In the second service, we had 132. Right? <laughs> right? Hey, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. And a lot of those folks were here because you invited them, I invited them. Um, they were connected to somebody. Um, maybe they hadn't been able to be with us for a while or whatever. Um, if you missed out, I'm sorry that you did. Uh, you can find the messages on uh, the podcast online, uh, but we had a great time. Children's ministry did such a fantastic job. I want to thank uh, Karen again for uh, leading with the kids and Tyler leading with the kids. Uh, we had help from Paul Haas as well, and uh, they were here with us for worship, and it was really, I hope you enjoyed that because I enjoyed it a lot. Um, if you watched me at all, as soon as the kids started singing in both services, I just smiled and I just didn't stop uh, after that happened because it was just fantastic. But uh, had, a, had a great time. Had five decisions for Christ uh, last week. Uh, responses to the message, and so that's exciting as well, and I'm following up with some of those folks. And uh, so I just want to say thank you to everybody who uh, pitched in and made that happen. Really fantastic. Um, all right, so then we'll have some other announcements at the end of the service, but I wanted to make sure that I, I got that in. All right, so God never said that. There are, there are lots of things um, that, that are kind of in our cultural context, words, phrases that we hear that sound good and sometimes are even attributed to the Bible or to God that God never actually said. And as we look at the scriptures, they're not things that God's word even supports the idea of. And so we've got several of those over the next, uh, I think it's a seven-week series. Uh, we've picked out seven of these kinds of phrases. Uh, things like, um, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're good. Um, Today is, uh, God wants you to be happy. Um, God helps those who help themselves, right? None of that stuff's in the Bible. Uh, in fact, some of those are diametrically opposed to the message that God is trying to teach us about how we should live in this world. And so we want to make sure that you get those truths. We want to make sure that you understand really some of these things that God is saying. I really encourage you to invite some of those friends that came with you at Easter or find some new ones, you know, find some new friends. That's a good idea. That's always a good idea. Um, some of you need that more than others. Uh, uh, but seek out people, invite them. Um, so we hear that, you know, whatever that number comes out to be, uh, almost 100 in one service, over 100 in the other service. We average here on any typical Sunday, we, we bounce anywhere from about 85 to 105 up and down as people come in and people go out. People are out doing whatever, and then they come to church, and we kind of trade people in. I'm not going to do it, but I've thought about this often. If we had everyone here, and I'm just going to say this. This isn't a brag. It's just the truth. 
But if we had everyone here who normally comes, and I had people raise their hands who are here because I asked them to come or because they're somehow connected to me in things that I did, folks, it would be a lot. And that should be true for you too. I can't do all this work. I can't grow this church. We can grow this church as God leads us to people. But if we want people to hear these cool things that we're doing, if we want people to hear these truths here that we're going to talk about this morning, people out there who believe that God wants them to be happy as opposed to what he really wants for them, then, folks, you've got to hit the ground with your feet and with your voice and with your hands and invite people to come to church with you. You've got to take up the mantle and tell them about Jesus Christ. You've got to tell them what they've done in your life. I'm going to pick on Randall for a moment. I hope he, he doesn't mind. It's too late now. Um, you know, uh, Rand, I love Randall. Randall is a good friend to me, and he's a super person. He's one of those people that's here because we had a connection, right? And we talked, right? Isn't that right? And he found Jesus in a way that he'd never found Jesus before. And I'll tell you, I'm encouraging Randall to tell other people, and he is, to tell other people about what Christ has done in his life. Because when Randall tells me about what Christ has done in his life, I get excited. Whoa, and the sound system gets excited. I get excited. And I, and I find that Randall sometimes expresses it to me in ways I wish I could express. And that's cool because what that means is that Randall's story is Randall's and it really means something. And when he tells his story, it's powerful. And guess what? Your story is powerful too. But you got to tell it. The story doesn't do any good if you keep it to yourself. All right, so, uh, you know, we're coming up to summer. Things are going to get flaky around here like they always do because uh, Bruce is going to be out fishing. I love you. Bring me a, bring me a filet once in a while, would you? All right. Um, and that's Alaska, right? You know that, I mean, in our 20-year history, we have encouraged you to be Alaskans and go do Alaskan things, and we all know exactly what summer's like. And, and uh, we've never put the guilt trip on people for being, for being out or for being out with their family. We encourage you to take people with you. And then as you're out there in that creation, share Jesus, right? Uh, make it part of what you're doing. This life that Christ is doing in you also happens out there when you're fishing and hiking and camping and, and doing whatever. So take that with you. But understand that what happens is we hit summer and we kind of get into this weird roller coastery kind of thing. And as as the church staff, we start looking to the fall already because that's when the magic starts to happen. And it's really exciting that this past year, we really struggled after summer. First of the year came and things really started rocking and rolling. We had this incredible success on Easter. I don't want us to forget that because that's God taking us somewhere from where we are right now. But you have to be in it with us or it's not going to happen. All right, so what's your mission after today? Bring somebody to church with you next week. At least make the invitation. If they say no, what are you going to do? But make the invitation. Don't just sit around and do nothing. Do something with it and let's see what God can do. All right? So here we go. God wants us to be happy. There's a famous saying from Ben Franklin. Some of you, I'm sure, know it. Beer, right? Beer is God's proof that he loves us. And wants us to be happy. Right? <laughs> Probably not, right? Uh, you and I can look at lives and people around us and know that uh, beer and its accompanying items often don't bring happiness, right? Uh, their abuse can, in fact, bring very much the opposite of that. 
But we understand the context of what Ben's saying is that, you know, once in a while, a little, a little, a little beer here and there makes you feel happy, right? But it fades. And this is really the truth about happiness. Uh, in fact, uh, think about it this way. Uh, my first point this morning is um, happiness is a response, but joy is a choice. Happiness is a response, but joy is a choice. And it's kind of like this. Um, let's say that you get a phone call. Uh, we, we dream about this at our house. Um, we, we talk about it once in, a, once in a while. In fact, I think probably within the last week, the words have come out of Karen's mouth. I want to win the publisher's house clearance. <laughs> publisher's clearing house sweepstakes, right? I want, the, I want the band to come to my house with the balloons and the guy and the giant check, and I'll cheese for the TV cameras, and then I will deposit the money. Right? So let's say you get that phone call, right? Hey, guess what? Denise, you just won the Publisher's Clearinghouse sweepstakes for $10 million. Wow! Right? And you hang up, and you're excited, and you're having a party, and then the phone rings, and they call back and say, oh, wait, we have the wrong number. <laughs> because that's joy, not happiness. That would be a choice you make, right? Because, listen, this is the truth, right? At, at any moment that you're happy, circumstances can come along that arise that will rob that from you, that will steal that. And that's, that's not a good or bad thing. That's just, that's just truth. That's just life. Um, we can be on the mountaintop in one moment, and then one phone call arrives, and maybe it's not the wrong number. Maybe it's the bad news. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the really angry person. Maybe, maybe it's just something you, you didn't want to know. And guess what? Our attitude, our happiness can be transformed just like that. And that's why we say happiness is like situational. Happiness is uh, a response to things, but joy, joy is something that we can choose. Um, the book of Philippians, it's this, it's this short little book in the back of your Bibles. Uh, among the letters, Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, and the people there were called Philippians, right? So that's why the book is called Philippians. And he wrote to them, and many people consider this to be like the, the most positive book in the whole Bible. Uh, in fact, there's a, a really famous verse that comes out of there that a lot of people kind of have as their life verse, Philippians 4.13, right? Anybody? Anyone? Bueller? Anybody know it? Somebody knows it. Thank you. Is that Kim? Yeah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's pretty positive, man. Woo! Um, be happy about that. <laughs> the word joy is used 16 times in the book of Philippians. More than any other book in all of the Bible. And at the moment that Paul writes these words, he's in jail, shackled, his future uncertain, probably going to die for the cause of Christ. And he writes his most positive, affirming, encouraging letter from that circumstance. 
Now, I haven't visited jail, never been in jail. Some of you have been in jail, maybe for a day, maybe for a, a few days, maybe for a week. Jail is not a place that is generally considered to be joyous. It's a tough circumstance. You're with sometimes people that are rougher than you. Or maybe you're, you're there because you did something that was really not great and, and you're now paying the consequences. But I don't think any one of us would sit around and think of, of, of our circumstance in our lives. And I can think of all the times that I've gone and I've visited people uh, in the jail and in the prison. And, you know, we've got the, the, the bulletproof glass between us and we're on phones. We can't even talk to each other or whatever, but we're just we're talking through that little device. None of us sitting in any of those circumstances would look at that and say, man, I'm really, I'm pumped about this. And yet, I've also visited some of those people, people who follow Christ or who found Christ, and in the midst of their circumstances, while they are not happy about where they are, there is a joy within them that comes from their relationship with Christ in the middle of even the toughest of times that really can't be explained in human terms. And our lives can be that. It may not have to be as extreme as like Paul sitting in prison. But it could be the circumstances of our life that are keeping us shackled at times. You know, we're, we're tied to something, a circumstance that we can't solve on our own. Or, or the resolution stands far down the path for us. We can see it, but it's not here yet. And sometimes the journey to get from here to there is hard, Right? So in those times, we may not be happy, but as followers of Christ, we can still have joy. So I want to show you this other passage of Scripture from that same spot, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Those are powerful words. I, I can remember, um, I, I think as a teenager, the first time I, I heard these words, read these words, they really, they jumped out at me because I thought, that's an, that's an extraordinary statement. Think about that now. Uh, we used to make the joke, um, especially, man, especially back in the 70s and 80s, I've learned that whatever state I'm in, except for Texas, to be content. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> cute little thing down there. Um, but think about that. Think about the circumstances of your life, maybe right now, or certainly circumstances that you've been through that were hard, that were painful, that were dark. Can we be the kind of people who say this same thing? And notice, it's not something that's, that's necessarily... Uh, it's not given to him by someone else's circumstance or because someone else says, hey, it's going to be okay. Uh, you're going to make it. I mean, those are good things to encourage one another. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. You're going to get through this. But that word, I have learned. Learning only comes from experience. Right? Even when we try to impart knowledge, whether it's in a, uh, like a, an education setting as a teacher or, or, 
or whether we're trying to impart truth here as we do on Sundays or you're in a life group or something like that, knowledge never really gets in here until it gets married to experience of some kind. And then we go, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. The light bulb goes on. And this is what Paul is saying. He's, he's not saying, look, I've had it figured out all this time, and I'm never going to say that to you either. I'm never going to tell you that I've had it figured out from the beginning because, guys, I've messed up a lot of stuff. Probably still got a few in my future where I'm going to go, that was dumb. But I have learned how even when things are pretty dim and pretty grim, that with my faith in Christ, knowing who Christ is and his work in my life, trusting him to do and be all of the things that he promised to be for me, that even when the chips are down, when times are hard, there's a peace. And underneath of that peace is truly a kind of joy that I can't fully explain. It's a it's a joy that is not diminished or increased by my circumstances. It is diminished or increased by my acknowledgement and communion with God and his presence in my life. So happiness is a response. Joy is a choice. Here's the second one. Happiness is our creation. But joy is his gift to us. Why do I say happiness is our creation? It, we can go back to the, to the example of the, you know, the phone call, the bad phone call, but we can also do it with one another. Like We can find sometimes our happiness in another person, right? If they're, they're doing things that, that benefit us or they're doing things, maybe they don't even benefit us, but we look at them and say, wow, they're doing uh, good things in their life. I'm happy for them. We say that, right? I'm happy for you. Because good things are happening in your life. You are making good choices. You're turning away from things that are, that are tearing you down. Um, you're uh, throwing off things that have, uh, you know, maybe it's addiction. You've thrown that off. And now I see that, man, your life is just getting all back together. And, and I see the work in you that's happening. And you go, I'm happy about that. And so happiness is truly something that both for ourselves and in other people and other people can do. We can literally create it. By the things we do, the things we say, the choices we make. Um, in this room right here, we could, uh, we could manipulate some things right here and, and get everybody happy. Ah, we're happy. And then we could turn the table and ruin all of that in a heartbeat. Right? Because happiness is an emotional thing. Joy is a spiritual thing. So happiness is something that we create... But joy is something that God gives us. It is a gift to us. Um, John 15, 5 says this. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, so we get that agricultural picture, right? And um, if you're not familiar with, with vines, especially like if we're thinking about uh, grapevines or uh, olive uh, trees or sometimes viney, but the, the plants that are called vines all have this in common. You can take uh, uh, 
a vine and another branch of the vine, and you can make a cut and, and insert that branch that you've cut from another thing into the original vine, and they will begin to grow together, and they will create something completely new. This is how hybrids of grapes are made, uh, is by doing exactly that. And so, you know, you go to the wine country in France, and, you know, you have the, the, Bar the Bordeaux's and the Chardonnay's and all those kinds of things. Those are, those are varieties of grapes, and then different vineyards will have their own versions of those grapes. And then each one of them has their own taste profiles and flavor profiles. And it's, it's really high tech and yet it's really ancient. And so the, the imagery that God gives us in the Bible is he says that our relationship with God through Christ is that, that he is the vine. He's, the, he's the, the base of everything that we do and what we're growing out of is that we're, or he's the branch, we're the vine that we've been taken and we've been grafted in. And that we begin to then grow into something brand new, something that's never been before. And out of that, he says, you will bear much fruit. Now we know that there's another passage in the New Testament that tells us about the fruit of the spirit, right? That's a phrase that we've used before, the fruit of the spirit. One of those fruits is what? Joy, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, right? Keep going, self-control, and joy. So we can bear much fruit, but see, we don't bear that on our own. What we produce on our own is happiness, and happiness is situational. Happiness is something that's created, but joy comes from the source, he says it another way like this. Jesus' words, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And this would imply then that if the joy of Christ is not in us, our joy cannot be full. And the word full here means both, it means overflowing, but it also means complete. Right? Uh, if, you, if you think of, uh, like if we were selling tickets to here, and we had 175 seats. When we sold the 175th ticket, we'd say, we're full. Because it's complete. It's finished. There's nothing left. There's nothing else that we can do. And so Jesus says here in the context of this, that, that you're the vine and I'm the branch, he says. And if you'll... If you'll live in me, if you'll abide in me, I will, I will cause you to bear great fruit. And one of those fruits is joy. And listen, here's the way that works. Your joy can't be complete without my joy. So Jesus says, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm wanting the joy that I have to be fully in you so that your joy can be full. Now, Back to that idea of happiness being situational and joy being a choice. Just had Easter Sunday. Three days before that, Jesus is crucified. Several hours before that happens, he's in the garden praying, weeping, sweating drops of blood as he agonizes over what lays before him, the suffering that he will suffer on our behalf. 
Do you think in that moment Jesus was happy? When he cries out to the Father on the cross and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't believe even in Jesus himself there was a shred of happiness. But his joy was full. Because that was his choice. That's kind, of a, that's kind of an extraordinary life to be called to, right? We look at the people around us, and it's kind of the pursuit of happiness is what we see in so many lives. And it could be, um, for people, it's different. You know, it's like um, uh, house plus money equals happiness. Uh, maybe for some people, it's, you know, money plus more money plus more money means happiness, right? Maybe they got a million dollars, and they're happy, and then they meet a billionaire, and then what? They're sad. I don't have a billion dollars. Uh, it might be, you know, maybe you're, Bruce is a fantastic fisherman. Maybe it's, you know, when the fish are biting, it's, woo, it's awesome. When they're not biting, it's still pretty awesome. <laughs> Especially if you're a fly fisherman, because that's like the real fishing, and you have stuff to do if you're fly fishing. But you've been there. I, I've told the story before about us going dip netting. Um, and like seven hours later, we've got three fish. There is not a lot of happiness in that scenario. Not at all. Do I have time to tell this story? I think I do, because it works. So, I don't know, was it six years ago, probably? Five, six years ago? We'd gone down to uh, Kasila. We had one day we could go that the tides were right and our schedule was right because school was getting out or something and then we were leaving on a trip and um, it was crazy. And we had one day. And like they do, Fish and Game, State of Alaska had said, the commercial fleet's not gonna be out that day. And we're like, awesome. And then we get down there and there's all the boats going out into the bay. And if you don't uh, dip net, what that means is once the boats go out, it's like they just drop a big gate over the entrance to the river and nothing comes in there. Everybody's like, man, you should have been here 30 minutes ago. <laughs> but, you know, we trooped down there. Lloyd and Vicky were with us, and we trooped down there, and we got the nets out, and uh, the boys are down there. Christopher's probably, I don't know, nine years old, eight or nine years old, something like that. So it's probably a little longer ago than that. Maybe he was close to junior high. And literally six hours, three fish. And we're looking at the watch going, we gotta go back. We gotta go back to town. This is not working. Karen had kind of come down. I'm standing in the water down there, grumbling. I'm not happy. And she says, don't you think we should probably go, huh? I said, yeah, I, I mean, this is just not working. This isn't doing it, you know? So I started to back out of the water and the commercial boats had begun to come back in to the Kasiloff River and they were going upstream weighed down with fish. You could tell when they're weighed down with fish, the gunwales are about this far off the water, man. And off they go. And then here comes this boat coming back down the river. It's going the wrong way. I'm like, wow, that's weird. It's starting to kind of pack stuff up. And the bullhorn comes on and he says, free fish in 30 seconds. And everybody's standing there. There's, you know, 100 people standing there. They're all like, this is, this is, this is how you stand on your net. It's on your shoulder. And you stand like that. They're all like, whatever, you know. Christopher 
guy whips the boat around and comes in, and he, he lines up right next to the shore, and he, he reaches down, he picks up this big fish, and Christopher grabs his net. As soon as the guy said free fish, Christopher grabbed his net and ran to the shore. He's like, he said free fish, I'm going, man. And this guy starts heaving Kenai River Reds. They're three times the size of Kisila River Red out of the boat into Christopher's net. He's, he's getting the fish. Just loads that thing up, man. Christopher comes dragging that thing back up, and we start pulling the fish out, and he's telling people, he said, we're over quota. We can't throw them out. We can't sell them. We got to give them away. So he's just throwing fish out. I don't remember how many fish we came home with that day. Too many. It was crazy. It was nuts. But it was incredible. And we were both happy, and as we've told this story over the years, guess what? It fills us with joy. And uh, Christopher said, as we're standing there on the beach, we're filleting fish, because we like to fillet them and bring them home and not drag the whole thing, right? Christopher says, well, we prayed for fish today. <laughs> I said, we did pray for fish today. They didn't show up like we thought they were going to, but there they are. You see, when God does his work, it doesn't just satisfy our our earthly desires, it gives us something else because that fish is long gone. That circumstance is long gone. But when I can share it with you and we share it with each other, we tell people that story and it's funny and, and it's meaningful, that joy of that moment comes rushing back. Guys, that's from God. It's his gift to us. So he tells us all these things in the Bible, he says. He works in our lives today so that his joy can be in us and we can be complete. So happiness is a response. Joy is a choice. Happiness is our creation among one another. It's an emotional thing. But joy, true joy, is his gift. And then finally, happiness is simple. Joy is transcendent. And when I say happiness is simple, I mean... It's this emotional thing that happens, and it doesn't matter if you love Jesus, don't love Jesus, if you're a good person or you're a terrible person, you can find happiness, right? In fact, terrible people find happiness in terrible things. Isn't that true? You ever worked with somebody who was just an awful person, and they took pleasure in making sure everyone else was feeling awful too? It's a weird thing to say, but they feel happy about that. We might feel happy about things that are positive, but the fact of the matter is we're feeling the same emotion, the same physiological kind of thing is happening. And, and that makes it a very a basic, a very base, kind of a very animalistic, instinctive thing, this happiness thing that we pursue. It, it ticks the boxes in our physical senses we get some chemical rushes in our body that make us feel better and, and maybe make us smile. And I remember uh, back when I had that uh, religious television addiction that I used to suffer from, um, watching all of these nut job preachers and all that kind of stuff. It was entertaining. But man, there was some crazy stuff. And uh, if this offends you, I'm sorry. You can come and apologize to me later. Um, <laughs> There was a guy named Rodney Howard Brown, and his shtick was he was the laughing preacher. 
and he would go and he would be at a church like this and there wouldn't be any proclamation of the word. Folks would be worked up into a big emotional frenzy and then he would just start to laugh. He said he had this holy laughter and then he would laugh and then the whole place eventually, it was like some sort of a, a group hypnosis kind of thing happening. Everybody would be laughing. They're just laughing their guts out. Does God like laughter? He says, yeah, laughter is good for the heart. It's like a medicine. But as soon as those people leave that building, that laughter is over. And the bills are still due. And the doctor still got bad news. And marriages are still falling apart. And there's still a bottle hidden in the car. All those things. That laughter didn't solve any of those problems. But the joy of the Lord can transform a life. Ecclesiastes says it like this. You've heard these. There's a whole big long list here. But look, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Uh, laughter, happiness, that, that feeling that we get, that euphoria we get when we tell a good joke or we see a good story or we go to a great movie or, or whatever. Um, we're watching our kids sometimes, although that one gets closer to joy, right, than it is happiness. God didn't intend for us to live in that place all the time because it's not realistic. It's not real life. In fact, what he wants for us is for us to realize that in real life, trouble comes and pain comes and, and trial comes and grief comes, but even underneath of all of that, if we will abide in him, if we will be the vine that abides in the branch that is Jesus Christ, that it doesn't matter what the world throws at us. It doesn't matter what comes along. We can have a joy that is underneath all of that. And when everything else falls apart, we have that. And, and what is that joy? That joy is Jesus Christ. He said it, right? I want my joy to be in you so that you can be complete and full. This first phrase, he says, in this you rejoice. He's, he's just told a story about, uh, he's writing, uh, Peter. He's just told a story about how some good things have happened, positive things. And he says, in this you rejoice, Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Does that sound in any way like your life, perhaps? That you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's... He's talking about our faith. Where, where is your faith really? Is your faith in your own abilities? Is your faith in someone else's ability to make you happy? Um, is your faith in uh, worldly circumstances? You know, you, you've been grieved by various trials. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where someone saying, dude, I've had enough. But life has a tendency to not let up. And so he says, all of these things happen, and, and, but your faith, more precious than gold. He says, let it be tested so that 
uh, that it may be found to be filled with praise at the time that Christ is fully revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So we see here that not only is is happiness something that, that is fleeting and circumstantial, but joy is something that Christ gives to us, and it is also an integral key component of our salvation. Why is that? I think it's this. If we say that we are followers of Christ, and yet the griefs and trials of life that come, and they will come, right? They're going to knock us down. Things are going to happen that we didn't expect. Things are going to take us down that we didn't see coming. Um, Things aren't going to be fair. When those things come, if we say we're followers of Christ and yet those things reduce us to people who, frankly, curse God either by cursing God or curse God by just saying he's not worth it, he's not true, Uh, I'm going to ignore him now because things aren't working out the way I wanted them to and I'm not happy. I think then we have to question, are we truly followers of Christ? Because what I've seen in my life and what I've seen in the lives of others who I know, I see the work of Christ in their life, is that even when the worst times come, we're like Paul, in jail, shackled, waiting to die, saying, I can do all things through Christ. We can be people of joy. And this is something the world cannot offer. So you're left with the question, I'm left with the question, am I? Am I a person of joy? And if you're a follower of Christ, I say that you must be a person of joy. Happiness is a response. Joy is a choice. Happiness is our creation. Joy is his gift. Happiness is simple. It's basic. Joy is transcendent. How is it transcendent? What does transcendent mean? It means to rise above. Joy rises above our circumstances. does it for you? And if the answer to that question is no, I'm just going to say to you, you need to question if you really have joy or you're trying to live on happiness. Because joy comes from the Lord. Happiness is just an emotional thing. And if the answer to you is no, I'm not, I encourage you this morning, respond to him, reply to him, ask him to save you. Ask him to fill you with his joy and then live a life devoted to God. Following Jesus. Amen. All right, would you stand for closing prayer?
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may he cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you joy. In Jesus' name, amen.